0: ready for the end of the world. This is your community spirit, The show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit on your solar powered community radio, (laughs) 91.1 FM. Uh, my name is Tree Song. We have a special guest on the phone here.
1: Good day. This is Or.
0: Good day. Sounds yep. like we can both hear each other.
1: <laughs> I'm calling from Northern California at the Solar Pioneer Party starts this afternoon.
0: Yeah. So you're hanging out with solar legends.
1: Yep, except it's raining here.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're all camped out in a big campground. There's supposedly be about 300 people. From all over the world, coming, we're registered. So I understand you guys are having a heat wave.
0: Oh yeah, well it's starting to taper off today, actually. But um, it had, it was up in the I think mid seventies. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what are we gonna do about this weird weather?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Good question. All right, so let's get into some of the news. Uh, as we give weather, let's talk a little bit about climates. Not that we ever talk about that. <laughs> Too close, uh, to close climate goal gap, drop coal and ramp up renewables, the UN says. Countries will have to phase out coal and invest in renewable energy even faster than previously expected to keep global warming below perilous levels and fend off the most dangerous impacts of climate change according to a United Nations report released just before the next round of international climate talks. Now, the the underlying thing is not necessarily news itself, that we do know about the need for this transition, but the news here is that it is going to need to be done more quickly than we previously thought. The United Nations Environment Program on Tuesday released its annual report on the emissions gap. The distance between countries pledged commitments for meeting the targets of the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement and the pathways that scientists estimate could actually achieve those targets. So there's a gap between what people are promising and what would actually achieve the targets. I'd also like to point out there's also a gap between what people are promising and what they're actually doing, (laughs) you know, so we might be two steps removed from our goal. The report prepared by dozens of scientists and incorporating the latest scientific findings includes new information to help negotiators zero in on more ambitious commitments that might achieve the Paris Agreement's most stringent target, keeping the rise in temperatures to 1.5 degrees Celsius since the start of the industrial era. Quote, The overarching conclusions of the report are that there is an urgent need for accelerated short-term action and enhanced longer-term national ambition if the goals of the Paris Agreement are to remain achievable, the report said. And that practical and cost-effective options are available to make this possible. So the board isn't all doom and gloom. There is still, theoretically, technically, a, a way to achieve it. The question is the political will. Uh, so world countries need to get moving and fast, but there is still hope.
1: Well, let me take a little of that hope away from this next one. <laughs> Climate change will create world's biggest refugee crisis tens of millions of people will be forced from their homes by climate change in the next decade creating the biggest refugee crisis the world has ever seen according to a new report senior u.s military and security experts have told the environmental justice foundation study that the number of climate refugees will dwarf those that have fled the Syrian conflict, bringing huge challenges to Europe. If Europe thinks they have problems with the migration today, wait 20 years, said retired U.S. military corps brigadier General Stephen Cheney. See what happens when climate change drives people out of Africa the sub-Siaran area especially, and we're talking now not just 1 or 2 million, but 10 or 20 million. We're not going to South Africa, they're going across the Mediterranean. The study, published on Thursday, calls on governments to agree a new legal framework to protect climate refugees and the head of next week's climate summit in Germany, urges leaders to do more to implement the targets set out in the Paris Climate Agreement. Sir David King, the former chief scientific advisor to the U.K. government, told the EJF, that's the Environmental Justice Foundation, quote, What we're talking about here is an existential threat to our civilization in the longer term. In the short term, it carries all sorts of risk as well, and it requires a human response on a scale that has never been achieved before, end quote. This has given us a chance, a little editorial, I guess this has given us a chance to step forward as human beings and help each other, huh? Yeah. Because it's a worldwide crisis.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a, a positive way of looking at it, is that we have an opportunity for unprecedented helping of each other. You know, mm-hmm. if we help each other now and work on it now, then it can alleviate a lot of the suffering.
1: The report argues that climate change played a part in the build-up to the Syrian war with successive droughts causing 1.5 million to migrate to the country's cities between 2006 and 2011. Many of these people then had no reliable access to food, water, or jobs. Quote, Climate change is the unpredictable ingredient that when added to existing social, economic and political tensions has the potential to ignite violence and conflict with disastrous consequences said EJF Executive Director Steve Trent although the report highlights to growing impact of climate change on people in the Middle East and Africa it says changing weather patterns like the hurricanes that devastated parts of the US this year Prove Richard nations are not immune to climate change. Quote In our rapidly changing world climate change and its potential to trigger both conflict and mass migration needs to be considered as an urgent priority for policymakers and business leaders alike. But Trent said that although climate change undoubtedly posed an existential threat to our world, it was not too late to take decisive action. Quote, by taking strong, ambitious steps now to phase out greenhouse gas emissions and building an international legal mechanism to protect climate refugees, we will protect the poorest and most vulnerable in our, climate, in our global society, build resilience, reap massive economic benefits, and build a safe and secure future for our planet. Climate change will not wait. Neither can we for climate refugees. Tomorrow is too late, end quote.
0: Yeah, I mean, the surest way to deal with the refugee crisis is to avert it before it happens. I mean, you know, if if these refugees do get displaced, then we will try to treat them in a humanitarian way, but we can take action right now that will at least reduce the incidence of those refugees. So
1: I wonder how many refugees we're going to get and are already getting from all the hurricanes in the south. Yeah. I do have a friend's family who moved here um, when New Orleans got hit, and they still live here. Yeah. When I say hit, mean southern Illinois.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I forgot I'm in California.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's probably hard to track some of it that's within countries. Like, if, if there's a mass exodus between countries, they track that. But, you know, if someone moves to a relative's house, they, maybe that doesn't show up on paper anywhere, but those people have still been displaced. So here's something on a more positive note and a more, it's also a regional note, too. St. Louis adopts a 100% renewable energy goal.
1: Wait a second. Isn't that the headquarters of, like, the biggest coal companies in the U.S.?
0: Yes, it is. So Missouri's history is deeply tied to coal. The first commercial coal operations west of the Mississippi River took place there in the late 1800s. Currently obtains around 75% of its electricity from coal plants. And St. Louis, Missouri's most populous city is home to some of the biggest coal companies in the country, from notorious... I, I'm adding the word notorious here. <laughs> notorious Peabody Energy to Arch Coal. I mean, when you've got people writing songs about your coal company taking, you know, taking the land away, you're a notorious coal company. <laughs> but on Friday, the city's leadership decided to take the... I believe this was last Friday. I, I, this, we got this story last night, so... <laughs> On Friday, the city's leadership decided to take the city in a completely different direction, with the St. Louis Board of Aldermen unanimously voting to adopt a goal of obtaining 100% (laughs) of its electricity.
1: Wait a second. Did you just say unanimously?
0: Yeah, unanimously, yeah. So not one of them disagreed with it.
1: (laughs) So So this is a very big deal.
0: Yeah, and the target is 2035, which is, you know, it's not right around the corner, but it's... You know It's not all that far away either
1: I And mean, we're only talking about Like a few dozen cities Have already committed to this And most of them are You know Larger cities Or not Midwest cities Right?
0: Yeah Yeah this is the This is a big deal For the Midwest um, Let's see So Here's a quote uh, This is the way of the future St. Louis Board of Aldermen President Louis Reed Told think practice
1: the Way to the now
0: yeah, <laughs> the way of the now. <laughs> I guess it's they're planning for the future, but they're doing it now. The vote comes as dozens of cities across the country have announced uh, that they um, announced their intention to begin switching their electric sector and, in some cases, their entire economy to renewable energy. So, St. Louis is now the largest city in the Midwest to join the movements. There are 46 cities so far. The Sierra Club is operating a Ready for 100 campaign aimed at getting 100 cities to commit to going completely renewable. 46 cities from San Diego, California to Hanover, uh, New Hampshire have committed, but St. Louis is the now the largest city in the Midwest. So here's another quote We've seen a lot of support for this in the broader community as well as leadership within the city. Sarah Edgar. An organizer for Beyond Coal with the Missouri Sierra Club told ThinkProgress, quote, There is a recognition that this is something that will benefit ratepayers. It is something that will benefit public health. It's an opportunity to create jobs in the region.
1: I mean, it's not going to be very easy, right? I mean city making the complete transition from a traditional fossil fuel based e- economy to 100% renewable energy economy. It can't be done simply or easily without a lot, a lot of organizations and government entities.
0: Yeah, so it's going to take uh, state and regional leaders and businesses to work together on it. Um, electrical grids are based on regional markets. While Missouri has a renewable energy standard that requires utilities to gradually fill their portfolios with more clean energy, legislators removed any language requiring that those sources come from within the state. So, uh, yeah, there's, there are some challenges, and this is it's currently a, a goal. It's not a reality yet, but uh, you've got to start somewhere, and starting with a goal of 100% is a good goal. Some people start with just saying, oh, we want to do 20%. <laughs> You know,
1: well,
0: right now they're at 5%, so... Yeah, so se- being at 5 and seeing you're going to go to 100 in, in, like, less than 20 years, that's a very ambitious goal. Yep. So... Alright, so let's see. In other news here, getting back to some of the coal consequences, sea levels to rise 1.3 meters unless coal power ends by 2050. According to a new report, coastal cities around the world could be devastated by 1.3 meters of sea level rise in this century unless coal-generated electricity is virtually eliminated by 2050, according to a new paper that combines the latest understanding, and this is a different paper than that other study, this is an understanding of Antarctica's contribution to sea level rise and latest emissions projection scenarios. So it's taking those scenarios and combining them with the new understanding of sea level rise. It confirms again that significant sea level rise is inevitable and requires rapid adaptation. But on a more positive note, the work reveals the majority of that rise, driven by newly recognized processes on Antarctica, could be avoided if the world fulfills its commitment made in Paris to keep global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius. So the new paper uh, simplified physical models that allowed them to explore all known contributions to sea level rise, and paired them with new generations of emission scenarios from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. If nothing is done to limit carbon pollution, global sea levels will rise by an estimated 1.32 meters, that is 50% more than was previously thought. But the extra contribution from Antarctica would not kick in if the warming was kept to less than 1.9 Celsius above pre-industrial levels. So once again, there is this, there's this narrow window we might still be in where if we take action now, we might avoid that, that much warming, that much sea level rise. And 1.3 meters is a lot of sea level rise. It may not sound like a lot to us here, you know, in landlocked southern Illinois, but <laughs> if you're living on the coast. 1.3 meters is going to put a lot, of, a lot of buildings underwater, or, you know, put their first floor half full of water.
1: Well, in California, Californians are keeping dirty energy off the grid via text message. When Julie's phone chirps to tell her the electricity grid needs her to save power for an hour the next day, she sets a reminder. And the appointed time she walks around the house pulling plugs. Quote, I shut down major appliances, I unplug air fresheners, I unplug timers on the lights, anything that plugs in, that's emitting something I unplug. And if I can't reach the plug, I flip off a breaker, end quote. Julie, who lives in Tomiscola in Southern California, says no big deal, quote, I have a routine now. Takes me about five minutes to shut everything down. It hasn't been a hardship going without electricity for an hour about once a week. Quote, we have solar lanterns, so if it happens at night, we're not sitting in the dark. We can do other things, unquote. These include cooking on her gas stove, using pre-charged iPads and cell phones, going to her son's soccer practice, or out to dinner. It's not that Julie is a hardcore environmentalist. She's pocketing cash, more than 800 in the last year. The company that alerts her by text, Ohm Connect, a San Francisco based startup, passes along payments from grid operators for her efforts. A shri- uh, switch flipped here, a plug pulled there, household after household, can add up to an impressive shredding of electric load and significant costs in greenhouse gas emissions, according to those who study this kind of potent tool for managing the modern grid now I just wanted to mention that there are um, apps and programs now that can do this stuff automatically that you can um, turn things off actually from your home you know from uh, when you're not home even
0: yeah there's an app for that
1: yeah grid (laughs) operators have long relied on commercial and industrial customers and to some extent, households curb demand when needed by charging them less for power at other times. So they charge more for when there's a greater demand for electricity in the hope that people will use less because it costs more. But participation in growing among individuals, thanks to recent federal regulations, allowing payments for this service to third parties like Home Connect jumping into the market. Ohm Connect aggregates its network of residential subscribers, now numbering in the hundreds of thousands, according to co-founder Curtis, across the territory of California's three major utilities. Together, these people supply a vital service to the grid, keeping it in a finely tuned balance by tweaking demand for power instead of maxing out power. It's called Demand Response, and it pays in more ways than one to the utility. A burst of conservation is worth as much as a burst of power. The savings flow through Ohm Connect to its subscribers. Managed this way, the grid runs smoothly
0: and more cleanly. I like the attitude, too, where they're saying, like, oh, it's not too big of a deal. to turn things off at certain times a day, conserve a little bit more power. That's a good attitude to have. Now, of course, in, in her case, she's doing it in part because she gets money for it. <laughs> but that's an attitude we could all adopt, even if we're not getting paid. Like,
1: do we- I do not good how many years ago, but I want to say it's been like 10 years ago, um, ComEd in Chicago put together a program like that where they could turn it off themselves. Basically, turn off your biggest load, which is your water heater or your air conditioner, for 15 minutes out of every hour. Yeah. And so, you know, they had turned yours off for 15 minutes, someone else off for 15 minutes, and they're basically controlling the load a little better. Because the the truth is, is they can... They can't really turn... Their their power plants are so big, they can't really turn them on and off to meet demand.
0: Yeah. Well, and I... You know, and both the power company and the customer are thinking about the economics, but I like the emissions reductions of the solution. You know, it, it, they don't need the power anyway, so, or they, they don't want to produce the power anyway, so then just having them not use the power, that reduces the emissions, and it stops a crisis in having too much or too little power. So, good deal. Some holidays coming up. We have... uh Housewife's Day and Sandwich Day we have uh, that's wrong that's that's not a good set of days to put together Uh, we have on Saturday though this is a great one Book Lovers Day and King Tut Day so you can read a book about King Tut
1: coming up is Marooned Without a Compass Day and Saxophone Day Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day I can celebrate that one yeah
0: and U.S. General Election Day for places having elections. Um, let's see. Chaos Never Dies Day. That's a strange one. And we're in November. How did that happen? We snuck right into November without, when no one was looking.
1: And What's this thing about no-shave November? People, like, raise money?
0: Yeah, see, we, we talked, that's funny, because we talked about shaving a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but now people are raising money
1: by not shaving. The so November is Child Protection Month, Child Safety Protection Month, International Drum Month, National Adoption Awareness Month, National Caregivers Appreciation Month, National Model Railroad Month, National Novel Writing Month, Native American Heritage Month, and National Sleep Comfort Month. let's see here in happenings help the hungry in November throughout Carbondale CWS Carbondale changemakers will work for food donations to local pantries that's right do you have a small project you need completed in October or November for a small donation of food or cash to local food pantries quote, we do the raking and you do the bacon, end quote. CWS Carbondale Makers will wash windows or winterize windows or clean houses or pick up gumballs or do painting projects, whatever they can do to increase food pantry donations through November. The homeowner provides the supplies needed and they bring a talented workforce to do the job. We schedule their team to take care of your home or business needs for a donation of food or cash contributions to food pantries. For more information or to schedule a project, contact CWS at 618-534-8103 or brobinson at cwsc.com.
0: Sounds like a great deal. People get their yard work done and the people who are hungry get their food. Another happening, shredding Med Mad Disposal Day, coming up on Saturday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., over at the Jackson County Health Department. Jackson County Health Department and Jackson County Sheriff's Office encourage area residents to come out for confidential on-site document shredding or disposal of your unwanted medication. And you can also get your flu shot while you're there. Most insurances are accepted, and that is over at 8 to 12 at Jackson County Health Department on Saturday.
1: Vigil for Peace and Justice, Saturday, November 4th, noon to 1 at Carbondale Town Square. Remember the real Armistice Day. Reject more money for war. The Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois, four monthly Vigil for Peace and Justice is scheduled for Saturday, November 4th, noon to 1 at the corner of Illinois Avenue and Main Street in Carbondale. As we approach Veterans Armistead Day next week, the Peace Coalition joins others around the country to remember the original intent of Armistead Day. Veterans for Peace reminds us that it began as, quote, a day dedicated to the cause of world peace, and quote, as it was celebrated at the end of World War I when the world came together to recognize the need for lasting peace. After World War II, the U.S. Congress decided to rebrand November 11th as Veterans Day. Honoring the warriors quickly morphed into honoring the military and glorifying war. Armistead Day, as a result, has been flipped from a day for peace into a day for displays of militarism. This year, with the rise of hate and fear around the world, it is urgent as ever to ring the bells of peace. Appropriate signs will be provided, but all are invited to bring their own. The Peace Coalition monthly meeting will follow the vigil at Cristado's Cafe and Bakery.
0: Yes, and also coming up, we've got just enough time to get through a couple of these quickly. Trivia Night for Humane Society is coming up on Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. over at the Carboneo Eagles, 1206 West Linden. They're raising funds for the Humane Society of Southern Illinois. And also, Go Solar and Smart Grid is coming up next week. It's coming up Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m. over at Tres Sombres. Tim Gibson, JALC Sustainability Coordinator, will educate on smart grid tech and what it means for consumers. And Orbeck, I've heard of that guy. (laughs) He will be speaking about the many current incentives for going solar. All right.
1: It says light refreshments will be provided. I might have to buy something heavy. (laughs) Anyway, pulling for bats, Tuesday, November 7th at 6.30 to 8.30 at the Carbondale Township Hall. The presentation will cover bat biology, life history, conservation, management, and involvement in Illinois.